Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. It's a Monday morning. It's a Sunday night podcast recorded on a Monday morning. I was watching the Kansas City Chiefs last night with my roommates, so we uh, decided to move the podcast to uh, Monday morning. As always, presented by our friends at Mechdyne. You can find out more about them at mechdyne.com. Uh, of course, if you've been a longtime listener of the Sunday pod, you've heard all about our friends at Mechdyne. Uh, what's up, Brent Bloom? How's it going, man? Just a beautiful Monday in Iowa. Oh, yeah. It's what's the temperature outside even? I don't think I haven't even stepped outside. Uh, it's like in the 20s. Yeah. Kid, I had the day off work, which is great. Kids, kids got to go to daycare for the first time in uh, 10 days today. So. Man, it's so, like a vacation day at the Bloom House. I was gonna say you're uh, you're flying solo. Then how does it feel? That's right. It feels feels amazing. Got I got I got uh, watching some Succession on HBO Max. Oh, there you go. And uh, got got the NBA tuned up, ready to go here on uh, this holiday. Dude, so I watched I've watched all of Succession. Uh, I don't don't know ruin it. I just start. No, I'm I not gonna start. ruin it for you. I'm not gonna all ruin right. it for you. I don't know if there's ever been a show that every week when I watch it. I sit and think to myself, is this show actually good? And I know that it's good, but at the same time, I can't, I never know what's actually happening in it. So it's like, I always just, at the end of it, I'm like, man, I have no idea what just happened, but I think that it was good, but I don't know that it was good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know I'm two and a half years late. Like, you know, you have kids and you know, you just find right. time. Yeah. Um, but my, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm like three episodes in it's, it's yeah, it's good. It's interesting. At least it's kept my attention. It's definitely, so I, I'm, I'm right way behind though. Yeah. I need to be like, I, I used to be one of the cool kids where I'd watch everything when it came out and now I'm, I'm way behind. So yeah. Yeah. It's and okay. so like people bring up, people bring up succession and I'm like, I got, I got nothing. Yeah. I got nothing for you. So now yeah. I gotta, you know, when you're having these conversations with the hips, the hip people like yourself stands, this is why I got to watch. And, and, and Williams will never do that because he's just, he's past the point of no return. Like right. he's, he's, he's Santa Claus too. Oh, he'll watch the Santa Claus series on Disney plus I'm sure. Oh, without a doubt. He's, yeah. he's not, he's not watching succession. He will be ready the day that it comes out to watch the Santa Claus <laughs> uh, show on Disney plus. He's uh, big Tim Allen guy. Yeah. I actually do think we could probably convince him to watch succession because of the, the media aspect, but there's like really at the end of the day, it's nothing about the media part. So he would probably right. be tired of it really quick. There's also too It'd much be... talking for Chris's. Like, <laughs> I love when he's listening to this. He's just shaking his head right now, but Hey man, you go to Jamaica. This is what happens. Yeah, for sure. You give stands and I, the microphone and, uh, yeah, I well, he's probably healing from a sunburn too that we all saw on Twitter. Oh my goodness, dude. Man, it, I tweeted it out. Talk about a man living his best life, dude. Smoking on the uh on the cigar. I was shocked <laughs> to see that it wasn't a plastic tipped uh black and mild uh black and mild jazz. Does that, and, does that, so people look up Williams Twitter. Does that qualify as a cigar? I mean, that looked a little it was, a, know, it was a cigarillo, you know, but okay. that's what I'm saying. Okay. He probably wanted, he was in Jamaica and was like, oh yeah, I want to smoke a black and mild. And they, <laughs> they're like, what the hell is that? And that's what he ended up with was this little tiny cigar, you know, because they don't have black and milds in Jamaica. Or I assume they don't have black and milds in Jamaica. Yeah. You know, some local at the resort fleece him for like 50 bucks for that thing. Oh yeah. Well, the, he already got the guy had to pay the guy, whatever, 20 bucks or something to play music for him on the beach. So <laughs> we know he was getting a little bit loose with the cash. <laughs> right. No question. Can't take that guy anywhere. No kidding. Uh, it's not the end of Claire anymore, brother. Hey, 
Man, you know that you never know what kind of characters you're going to find at the end of Claire. I can that's promise true. you that you're not going to get anybody to play music for 20 bucks at the end of Claire, but you might get something else for 20 bucks. So that's for sure. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Iowa State's win over Texas on Saturday. Uh, big weekend, really, for both the Iowa State men and the women. Uh, but we'll, we'll start here with the men. Um, man, 79-71 win over the – or 79-70 win over Texas. Uh, Gabe Kalsher kind of popped off, dude. It was uh, the, exactly the kind of performance I think that Iowa State needed from him at this point in the season. Man, I've got a lot of thoughts from this game. First of all, yeah. that was by far Iowa State's most complete game of the season for 40 minutes, I think. Yeah, I mean, just when Gabe's making shots, Iowa State's offense is at another level. And really nothing else was tr- truly spectacular about that game. I mean, two things. Tyrese Hunter was brilliant. I thought Tyrese Hunter was the best player on the floor. I know Kalsher put up the numbers and Gabe was great. Don't get me wrong, but I thought Tyrese's control of that thing was masterful. I mean, he, it was against some really good guards for Texas and he, you know, TJ told him after the game and it's, he's dead on. You controlled the game. Tyrese did. I mean, what two turnovers, eight assists, the guy was outstanding. And if he plays at that level with Gabe making shots, that's how you get 79 points and shoot. Iowa state missed its first six shots stands and then shot 65% the rest of the way, which is crazy against the nation's best defense scoring defense wise. Now field goal percentage, they're, they're not the best, but they're up there. So that was really impressive. And then how about Bob Jones giving you something right for two games in a row row that he's, he's been efficient down there. And it's, it's not always the prettiest thing. And there's times like, Oh my gosh, how did that just happen? But he gave you a lot there, which was a huge help in the first half. And Iowa State was kind of going through the motions offensively. He came in, provided a spark, and that's a team. I thought your column was great. That's a second weekend NCAA tournament team. That's the first time this year I thought, man, this team can actually do this. Because Texas played fine. I mean, they turned the ball over a bunch, which was unlike them, but that's what Iowa State's done to teams. And then if the offense is that good, with Brockington, who was okay, he wasn't great. I mean, you, you've got pieces now, and all nine guys, you don't need more than nine. All nine were really good Saturday, and so that's super encouraging. And that's, like, like I said, that's the first time I thought, okay, this team's legit a second weekend NCAA tournament team. For a while, it's like, man, they could maybe run into a couple, but I didn't think that it was sustainable necessarily like it was on Saturday. That was a just a phenomenal effort. Yeah, and that was – I'm right there with you that – there were some times where, you know, even in that Kansas game, there was a point where I said to Chris, Scott Christopherson, I was like, man, I just, I don't know if they have the juice in them to, especially offensively, you can play with these good, really good teams for 30, 35 minutes and you can be right yep. there. But man, those other five minutes are going to go so far the other way against them that they can't recover from it, you know? And obviously they were nearly able to recover from it in that Kansas game. And then they come out and play that way that they, the way they did against Texas. It's just these guys, like it's like every time you start to think, man, maybe they caught lightning in a bottle during that 13 game win streak, they come out and do something that you're like, well, never mind, I guess, you know, and it's, it's just like, I think speaks to the mentality of these guys as much as anything. But when you said, uh, you don't need more than nine, don't try and convince Chris Beard that because he played 12 <laughs> different guys. I think, I think if you were on the Texas bench and you were breathing and you had eligibility left, you were, you were going in the game on Saturday. What was it? Lacone just came in. It's like, where'd this guy come from? Yeah. Yeah. What is, is he trying to prove a point? I mean, what was it? What was the goal there? I didn't understand that. I mean, the, okay. He was a fine defender, 
he was a non-entity on offense. I think if it was just to motivate us, yeah, it was just motivate the rest of the guys. I yeah. don't well, and the game was getting away from them. I thought they were going to house them. I thought they were going to win by 20. True. When they got up 15, you know, and I think that that's one of those things where Chris Beard is like, oh my God, I'm about to get ran off the floor. I am going to do just about anything that I can to keep that from happening, you know? And then luckily for them, I mean, they made an interesting game. Their car got hot for the yeah. first time in a while. So that was, I mean, good for them. But I, I, I agree. I always say that was almost a 20 point win and it, it got a little dicey late, but. I thought that was good though, because it was like that Oklahoma game, except this time Iowa State finished. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm starting to wonder with this team, you know, at what point, at what point are they considered a really good team? And I'm, I'm, you know, at fall as anybody just thinking, gosh, I don't, I still don't know, but I, I mean, I'm I, I was thinking this weekend at what point that, that Floyd team with Willoughby and Cato, you know, they had a bunch of new faces and at what point did that team finally start to get credit? It was about now in mid January. Or if you look at the first Pfizer and Tinsley team, you know, they, they gave Cincinnati a run and lost to Cincinnati it was in the top five. I think they were first time in Hawaii. And they're like, okay, these, these guys could be pretty good, but it was right about now after I was still started like four and one in conference where people finally started to give them credit. And then that team kept building on it all the way through March. And I think now you're, you're six games in, five games in to the big 12. I don't think there's any question. Iowa state belongs in the conversation for whatever the conversation is from a NCAA tournament standpoint for one, lock it in. But two, I mean, I think you're an upper half. You saw Baylor lose again. So Chris is going to owe me a lot of money after that bet from our last week's podcast about Baylor's loss total. Uh, Texas is what they are. I don't think they're great. Kansas has some issues. Is Iowa State a top half team? I think so. Like a lot of people there with them, but I think this team's for real. That doesn't mean they're going to go 11 and seven. I'm not saying that, but they are as much in the conversation as anybody. And I think this is the first time I can comfortably say that. I think this team is legitimately a good basketball team that has potential, not necessarily to win the conference because I still think it's Baylor and Kansas, probably Kansas number one right now, but they're right there. Yeah, and I think, man, if some things broke their way, I think we're seeing that with the league right now, there's, I mean, the league is a is is a disaster. I mean, not a dis- it's a disaster in a good way, though, because it, and, you know, it's a cliche for these announcers. Every Big 12 game, the announcer is going to say at some point, nothing in this league can surprise me. <laughs> All yep. 10 teams can beat each other on any given night. It doesn't, it, I won't be shocked by anybody beating anybody in this league. It like, I remember hearing King McClure on the, I think it was Oklahoma state and Baylor, Oklahoma state's up 15 on the number one team in the country on the road. And he said, I'm not surprised. And I was like, okay, well let's, <laughs> let's slow down a little bit here. King. Let's slow I down a little King, bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, like it, I mean, Iowa State's two and three right now. Man, if you get hot and you go on a run, all of a sudden you could yeah. be like right in the mix of this thing uh, I know. all the way into the month of February. And who would have ever thought that, dude? Like, that's I, just, it's crazy. Yeah, you just got somebody got to step back and go, wow. And then, you know, Chris Beard went on the whole, what a great oh, job, gosh. great yeah. job TJ did. And so we'll get into that here momentarily. But it's, um, it is, it is, I just think where we were a, a year ago at this time, you know, where Iowa State was, you, the signs were there. It was going to go poorly. I, when was that Mississippi state game 
And it was like the last week of January, I want to say a year ago. Yeah. It's usually and that that was, last weekend in January. That was rock bottom of rock bottom. I mean, it was that point. But then just think about 11 and a half months later, Iowa State's in the top 15 is probably a five or six seed in the NCAA tournament and is legit. I mean, it's, I would never have fathomed we'd be here. And, and here we are. So it's, I mean, TJ deserves all the credit, but those guys deserve credit too. And everybody on that, that roster has, has bought in and it's been uh, amazing to see because the big 12 is really good. I mean, this, this isn't a down year in the, this isn't like the ACC this year where you can pick off, mm-hmm. you know, a few wins for teams that are down like a Boston college, everybody's good. So it's still not going to be easy the rest of the way, but this has just been an absolute blast. And it is so fun now to watch every game in conference because it matters. So Saturday was great because you're locked into all these games. And then beyond that, now you can look at bracketology. You're updating Ken Palm left and right. You know, where's Iowa State's power ranking? How many games do they need to win? Like it, it just makes winter so much more enjoyable when Iowa State basketball is good. Absolutely, dude. On the note of TJ deserving the credit, uh, <laughs> you brought it up there a minute ago. According to Chris Beard, TJ does not deserve all of the credit. Uh, I, I'm going to find read the it. quote. I was going to say, who, uh, I'll, did not I'll, see I'll read the quote. Um, I'm pulling it up here. Oh, okay. Apparently I deleted it, but I'm going to have to find it on Twitter. This is great podcasting right here. Uh, well, Chris, so Chris, it's interesting backstory. So, uh, Prom's first NCAA tournament or second NCAA tournament win is his first year yep. was against little rock coached by Chris Beard. And they've seemed like they, those guys have been, they're closer than some coaches. And then as far as I know, Prom went to a Texas practice this off season to, to look at what they were doing. Now he said his preparation for his podcast, but I think he and Beard are, I don't say they're buddies necessarily, but there's a lot of mutual respect there. Yeah. And, uh, Everybody knows, well, I don't know. Most people probably don't know my history with Chris Beard. I used to be the biggest Chris Beard fan on the, in the, on the planet. And then he stiffed me at the NCAA tournament. And I, now I'm <laughs> an anti Chris Beard guy, but this dude, this quote was an all time weird. What the hell are you talking about, man? Uh, what was the question? What was the question? Like, what, how did this even get brought up? Um, I mean, I, I think someone just asked what he thought of what how TJ about? has been doing. Uh, okay, and here's what Chris Beard said. Quote, I know this job is important to him, and he's pouring his heart and soul into it. It's very obvious. I didn't pick them last in the league. I tell you that. This deal's got too much DNA in it here with this home court, this pride and tradition. And, you know, recognize Coach Prome and what he did before it. It's not just that there's two of Steve's players left. There's some of Steve's culture here, too. Coach Prome, as you guys know, is one of the best coaches in college basketball. This business, things can get away from you. But I predict he'll be be back being a head coach sooner or later and doing what all you guys saw him do for a long time here. So TJ benefited from Steve too, just in my opinion. Uh, okay. There's a lot to unpack there because there's like <laughs> numerous things that need to be dissected. Uh, the very first, okay. The first thing I love how he gets asked a question about TJ and then says two sentences about TJ and then spends the rest of the time talking about Steve Prome. And then to say he didn't pack, uh, pick them last in the league, which we all know that they unanimously were picked last in the league, only got nine points. Which was, which was fine. Like, I would have picked yeah, them last. Yeah, everyone like, picked them. I'm, not, in, I'm right. not insulted by that at all. I, 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 don't know, that. I don't know if you saw my tweet. Someone said that to me. It was an Iowa State fan said, you know, to be honest, I think I even picked them last. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, if you like have any sanity whatsoever, you're probably going to pick them last. And my tweet was, you know, 
nothing against Cyclone Jerry. I was like, I think even Cyclone Jerry probably picked him eighth at the be- at the best. <laughs> like, there's no right. way that anybody saw this. And uh, then you know the stuff about Coach Prom. Like, man, don't get me wrong. I have no issue with Coach Prom. You know, on a personal nobody level. nobody does. Nobody yeah, does. nobody here has a personal problem with Coach Prom. But at the end of the day, man, like to say one that there's two of Steve's players left that are impacting this culture, man, neither one of them hardly even played when Steve was here, you know, and both of them were put into truly awful roles in the situations they were in. And then, you know, it's just a weird thing to do in my mind. And it, it almost read like Chris Beard didn't get an opportunity to talk about how good of a guy Steve Prome was last year that he had to come back and do it again. And you know, my first thought when I heard that, this is going to sound bad, but I mean, it's the truth. Of course, Chris Beard misses Steve Prom. They came in and won by 30 the last two times that Chris Beard had been in Ames. Like, at the end of the day, I'd freaking miss the guy who I could beat by 30 points too. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it was Beard's – I think you're right. I think it's Beard's way of trying to be nice to a friend Yeah, and trying to prop him up. I mean, I'm – Honestly, I bet this has been a really bizarre season for Prome because you've got you're you're kind of wherever Steve is now. I believe he's in Nashville. Mm-hmm. He's doing the podcast and he's almost like forgotten about now, which is unfortunate. Hopefully he'll get back into coaching, but I think it, this was Beard's way of saying I'm trying to stick up for a guy that you know had this thing going in the right direction too and even if that's not, not the case. It's just yeah. I think it, I think he got over his skis a little bit when he went down that road with Prome and he, he didn't know where to stop. And it just ended up in this bizarre, bizarre quote that is easily uh, picked apart. Like we could do all day. So at the end of the day too, coaches are always going to circle the wagons. Like yes, it, 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 without failure every time, if a coach is about to be fired, the assistant coach is all of a sudden going to make a point to bring up how good of a guy that guy is. They know. And they know that they are always going to try and protect their own. And that's perfectly fine. I don't know how many times I've heard this about different guys, how great a guy that a coach is, but it just is weird. Like I said, if I'm TJ and I read that quote, I'm like, man, F you dude. Like what the hell is that? You know, it was very, uh, yeah, very back. I don't think he intended it to be. It was very backhanded, backhanded towards Otzelberger, but I think it was more just, Again, he got down this weird path, and we've all been there. Yes, you talk for a living. You start talking about something, you go, oh, no, where have I gone? <laughs> abort, abort. And, uh, yeah, it ended up in a weird place. It was so. the it was the Michael Scott, uh, <laughs> sometimes I start a sentence and I have no idea where it's going. Like, that yeah. was exactly, exactly what it was. And, I mean, to say that he didn't pick him last in the league is just comedy because it tells you that – a, either Chris Beard doesn't fill out his Big 12 coaches ballot, which shouldn't shock anybody if that's the case. I don't think hardly any of those coaches actually fill those things out. Or B, he just lied about it. And it's a like easily verifiable thing. So yeah. it's like one of the two things. And like, A, I'm really wouldn't be I wouldn't really be mad about that one. But then it's like, well, then why did someone vote for them last if you didn't think they yeah. last? And he, uh B, then why lie about it? It doesn't matter. He should have stopped of there's a lot of DNA in this program some great coaches have, have won here before. And TJ's continued that. Well, yeah. When I you first, know. when I first heard it, I was Just like, stop. Oh, the first 
four or five lines of the quote are like, man, that's a money quote right there. Yeah, that's great. And then, and then just, he kept he going kept and I was going. like, oh man, that's not a money quote anymore. That's a bad quote now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't take everything from press conferences. I'm sure he, if he had to go back and redo that one, he would, but I, so somewhere in Nashville, I'm sure coach Prohm appreciated the shout out. Yeah, dude. I, what did you think of coach Prohm having to talk about Iowa state on his podcast? Did you see that it's, last week? I did. I mean, it's gotta be uh, back. To, it's gotta be a really awkward year for him because he, he, he's fair. Like he was nice about it. Yeah. But you could tell being, he was uncomfortable though. He did not oh, want to talk yeah. about it. I mean, he, it's just, a, it's a, gotta be a weird situation all the way around for him because here you have all the success before he got here, he had some success. You know, I think the misnomer here is he only won with Fred's players, which is just flat out. Not true. The, the one year, they, the, uh, last big 12 champion team, that was all Steve's team. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just let the record reflect that. Now they got bounced way too early in the tournament with all the talent they had. And if you play Ohio state that year, I would say you should win that game nine out of 10 times. If you stack the teams up in the one game, it was very poor and we know the result, but he did win. He, he went to what three NCAA tournaments. So he did win here, but, but yeah, it's gotta be super uncomfortable because now you mean you, last year was such a, was the worst year in Iowa state history. And then yet you bounce back this quickly. So, but it's gotta be like, at some point in any profession, you have to look, well, was it me? I mean, that's probably the question. Well, did I do something wrong? And a lot of times you think, well, maybe it was just the guys, but now, now TJ's turned the table and has shifted the identity. I think the identity that Prom wanted all along, which should be that defense first toughness and all that stuff. And he's doing it with an assistant coach, his director of ops and all these things that, that Prom had. And yet Prom couldn't win a big 12 game. So it's just got to be kind of a bizarre, bizarre world for Steve right now. And, you know, I listen, he's, he did some really good things. He was a first class guy. I hope he catches on somewhere because it's gotta be awkward for him just to do the podcast thing to, to think that, um, you know, you see, you see your former sister coach having all this success. Yeah. And I, I felt bad for him because it, it seemed to me like he was put on a, put on the spot a little bit. And that yeah. just seems like if you're the guy hosting with him and especially if Iowa state just got done playing and they had just won a big game, like you, man, that's gotta be something that before you bring that up, you better at least double yeah. check with them that it's okay. You know, because yeah. I, from my perspective, I've watching that video, it looked like it caught him off guard. And if you're caught off guard by that kind of thing, it is a lot harder to look comfortable. It's, for and, sure. And it, he's, especially he's when it's one that, video. And he's one that you can kind of see his emotions on his sleeve sometimes yeah. if he's, you know, I've seen in the press conference over the years. So it's, I mean, at, at some point, we'll kind of get beyond. And that's why I'm, I'm thankful for this year. It, it has been able to erase the last couple of years pretty quickly, you know, and that's last year was miserable. It, it just was, it was, it was a horrible, horrible winter all the way around. It was not comfortable for anybody. Uh, but I'm so glad that it has changed so quickly to now you can worry about, you know, Joel and Artie again, and you can look up all these things and, and plan around for the big 12 tournament again. You know, last year was so hard. The team was awful. It didn't seem like anybody wanted to be there. And then you didn't have any fans and you had the COVID stuff going. Like it was just it, and on, like reflecting back a year ago, it was a bad, bad time for, for Iowa state men's basketball. It was not in a healthy place. And to think we've gotten to this place so quickly is a credit to everybody up there. But I do think there is something to the DNA of not just the program, but the fans, 
And Iowa, Iowa State does not win that game Saturday if it's on the road. And this is the thing that did not help Prome that doesn't get brought up either is if, if he plays in a full arena last year, it's a different record. We may, not, we may be in a different spot now. He may have hung on as the coach because Iowa State wins games because the home court is so good and the fans are so engaged. There was a foot of snow on the ground and that place was rocking Saturday. That is incredible. Like that doesn't happen pretty much anywhere else right now in college basketball outside of, you know, probably Kansas and Kentucky. So it's, it's big time atmosphere. And that has really helped. I mean, if you think about the big games, Iowa State's won at home, um, the, especially the tech and Texas games, those are, those are home court wins. And that's why I'm so confident this team can take care of business at home because it is so good. And they, this team really revs up the fan base. It's a great match right now. And it, it portends good things the rest of the year. All right, before we shift gears, want to talk real quick about our friends at Gravitate Coworking. Uh, they've got their locations in downtown Des Moines, Windsor Heights, Cedar Falls, the East Village, and of course, out in Jefferson. Uh, man, if you're looking for a place to, to work, a lot of places aren't going back to work in the office and you need to get away from your kids uh, because you don't get Martin Luther King Day off or uh, for whatever other reason, uh, give a call to our friends at Gravitate Coworking. You can find out more about them at gravitatecoworking.com. Uh, and check out all of their locations again in downtown Des Moines, uh, Midtown, Windsor Heights, Cedar Falls, the East Village, and in Jefferson. Uh, all right, we're gonna have to find out if this, these guys can go on the road and win a big time game because they've got a yeah, big time one time next coming up tomorrow night uh, against Texas Tech. And I actually, just before we started recording, I was just on a, a Zoom with TJ. Uh, and, you know, I think that Iowa State is gonna have a better opportunity to be able to have some success against this team than they did the first time. It is so hard to simulate and explain what you're about to be facing when you play a team like Texas tech. Uh, and I've never seen it before because of the physicality they play with. They're not going to let you get to your spots. I'm interested to see how Iowa state handles that pressure better the second time around. And now you're going to be in a big time environment. Lubbock's a hard place to go and play. It is. And that, that's one environment they, they do care and they've drawn super well and they're behind Adams right now for now. Um, they had a weird game though. No, that was a bad loss for them and the way they got drubbed by K state, which was very bizarre. Elite head after, coach, uh, Bruce yeah. Weber. Yeah. After they just dismantled Baylor in the second half on the road, like it, th this is going to be, you know, as King McClure say, there's no surprises here. Right. Uh, that one was a surprise too, but it's, yeah, this Iowa State's going to learn a lot. I, the nice thing is, and we talked about this six-game stretch, two and four would be great. Iowa State's two and three. So you don't have to get this one. But I think that's the next step for this team is you've been close twice. Like you had Oklahoma on the ropes, let it slip. You, the Kansas game, we talked about it. Man, that's still you know frustrating uh, six days later about that result. But you were there. You just couldn't finish it out. Um, Goaltending would have been nice. It's, but you, this is another chance. And you know, as long as you protect Hilton, you'll be in good shape, but you start winning games like this on Tuesday against tech that just bumps up your, your expectation level and your seed then, and you win a game on uh, against Texas tech, you get to three and three. Now you're in the, the legit big 12 championship mm -hmm. aspiration talk, because that'd be a huge win on the road. It's going to be, you know, who, who wins? It's those Tim Floyd standings, right? You protect home court. It's a net zero. You win on the road it's plus one. Can you be plus at the end of the year? And that'll dictate who wins this conference. Yeah. And it was interesting too. You get through tomorrow 
and you finally are through this six game gauntlet to start the big 12 play. And I thought it was interesting last weekend, uh, Kirk Holland and his column wrote about yes. uh, how the scheduling basically in the league and how Iowa state was the only team in the league that had not played what is projected to be one of the bottom three teams in the league yet. And so you're going to get to play them twice. You still got to play Baylor and Kansas again, but like, man, Iowa state, I was thinking about it yesterday and I was looking at their schedule. Like they could, I think they've got 14 games left after you get through tomorrow. You got 13, like they could win like 10 of those conceivably, you know? Yeah. And, and all of a sudden you go, I mean, what, what would they be at that point? Uh, 11 and seven in the league. If you go 11 and seven, you're probably finishing the top three or four in the, in the league. Yeah, no, probably top, Yeah. Definitely top three, I would say. And then yeah. you're, you're also probably a top four seed in the NCAA tournament then at that point. And now you're really serious talk about that, that run of the sweet 16. So Ken Palm has a nine and nine right now uh, as a six point dog against tech, but there's a stretch from February 12th through March 2nd. So six of the final seven games, I would say it's a projected favorite in. So it's like, you just get through this and tech's going to be tough, but then like a game Saturday against TCU and Hilton got to have it. You yeah. just got to have that game. And, you know, talk about that team that, you know, Prome had that made the NCAA tournament, but they lost a game at home to TCU. It was just like, what are we doing? And that's really what lost momentum, I think, with the fan base. So you start losing those games at Hilton, and then it became really tough. But that's a game you got to protect the home floor. And uh, you, you, every every week we're going to do the Sunday Night Podcast. It's like just split the week. Like you get one a week, you're going to be in good shape. Now, if you want to win the conference, you're going to have to do more than that. But this is an important week. And yeah, you can, you can lose to tomorrow night and be fine, but then you got to bounce back on Saturday. So it's a fun discussion to have. I, and I just really like the way that this team and has replicated pretty much every single game, except for that 10 minute stretch against Oklahoma, because their intensity level, the way they turn teams over is very, um, very consistent and reproducible. And that's a great sign. All right, let's shift things over to the women. They got another big win over the weekend, uh, 74 to 60 against Oklahoma state. I want to say they went on like a 21 to two run or something like that. in the first quarter that got them out to a big lead. And then they kind of were able to coast from there. Uh, the second women are 16 and one, which I think is either tied for the best start in school history or is the best start in school history. And then five and zero in conference play. I want to say for the second time in program history, I mean, Connor and I talked about this on the radio show a couple weeks ago. There's something different about this team from past good, mm -hmm. uh, good teams that Bill Fennelly has had. And man, I, I, I don't know what it is. Like I, a game at Oklahoma state is the kind of game that they would have lost before. Like, I, and have and, yeah. and have lost before, you know, at Norman, like that's the kind of game that they would have lost before. Like this team is just built differently. And I think the veterans that they've got on that roster, um, and just the star power that they have at each different position. I mean, it's, yep. it's so impressive and it, I think they could legitimately win the league. I haven't seen Baylor or Texas play, but like if they won the big 12 regular season title, it wouldn't shock me at all. You know, no, they're, they're the favorite right now. Yeah. I mean, you, should be. You, Baylor's lost twice. Uh, Texas has lost twice and you've now won at Oklahoma, who is currently in second in the big 12. And you've won at K-State, who's currently in third in the Big 12. Like, you have – you literally have a two-game lead on everybody right now. The Iowa State women's basketball team does. And it, it's a good conference. But the – what – you hit on it. 
the star power is as good as it's been for Iowa state women's basketball in a long, long time. And, you know, we both follow the NBA. The really good NBA teams have four options. Like you need, cause, cause the good teams can shut down, you know, option one, two, and three, but you had, you still sending guys out there. That's why the, the Brooklyn Nets are still probably the, the favorite to win the NBA title is they've got so many guys. You can't shut down everything. And if you think about Ashley Jones is an all American, Lexi Donarski, when she's on is as good at score as there is not named Ashley Jones in the conference. I mean, I think she's super dynamic mm-hmm. and she's added the, the dribble drive game to her repertoire. She's not just a shooter. Emily Ryan has been off the charts. Good. She's added more offense. You've got the other Jones sister and you've got the combo post, you know, between Kane and Jordao who are, have been an elite post. If you just combine the numbers, there's right. five right there. Like you, you're in really good shape. And then you got some punch off the bench with Maggie, a dude's giving you something. Um, I don't know when Danae Fritz will come back. That's that, something we'll ask Bill this week, but you've got, you've got so many options now that you can't shut down everything. It's why Iowa State is not only winning games, but taking care of business offensively. And then the defensively, they're always going to be scouting report driven. They can take away the other team's best player. And it just sets up 16 and one is incredible. And this team right now is, is probably a two seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So they are set up to not only win the conference, which would be an amazing feat. They still got a lot of work left to do. But this team could make a run in the NCAA tournament. And I'm telling you, it's a huge game Wednesday for them. They host Texas at Hilton Coliseum. And Texas is the one team that has still been a thorn in the side of Iowa State women's basketball because Texas has size. And they can keep running post players at you. And that's still Iowa State's one deficiency, I would say, is how do you handle that size for that long? I mean, you saw what Ioka Lee did for K-State, which she put up. Iowa State just singled her up and said, go, go score 40. And she scored, what, 38? The other night, uh, that was a plan, but Texas not only has one of those players, they've got a couple of them. So if you can get out to Hilton, the men don't play Wednesday, um, go support that team. I think they deserve it. It's the best start in program history and a packed house would definitely help them. And I think the, the, the one that is so impressive to me, or at least it's a little bit surprising, but you got to give a tip of the cap man, what Morgan Kane has been able to do. And then you, oh. you, you talked about Beatrice too, like, man, that's always been the Achilles heel is that Iowa state's had the guards, you know, as long as I've been covering around Iowa state, they've always had the guards that are good enough to compete, you know, but when you get against those teams that have the, the size down low, that's just going to, I mean, that can just eat you alive. If you can't match that, then you're going to have some rough nights, you know, if your shots aren't falling and they've gotten to where they can, you know, I don't think I was just going to win those battles most nights. Like Morgan Kane, isn't going to come out and give you 25 and 15, nope. but like she, her and, and Beatrice are going to be good enough to, uh, to keep you even. And if you can keep them even, then Iowa State can win the game with their guards from that point. And that's what—that's the thing I think that makes the biggest difference is that they're not getting their asses kicked in the paint, you know? Exactly. And yep. if you Just, can do that, then you're going to be all right. And then when you have a Jones, a Donarski, and a Ryan, right. those three are better than anybody else, in my opinion, in the guard position in the country. And just, yeah, just hold down the forward inside. And Kane and Jordan have done a great job of that. And then those guards can carry the torch. And this, this team's this team's got a lot of special to it. You know, I, I've enjoyed a lot of these women's basketball teams over the years. You know, the Stacy freeze ones were legendary. I thought that Bridget Carlton team, her senior year 
Gosh, if they if they get a better draw, Missouri State ended up beating them in the round of 32. I think that team could have made a run to the Elite Eight. Uh, it didn't happen for them. But I think this team has an extra player that that team did. You know, they, they can go four, five, six weapons. You know, for that team with Carlton, it was really Carlton. And then you had, you know, Alexa Middleton giving you a little something. And then a young Ashley Jones. But if Carlton wasn't on, it's going to be really tough offensively for that group. I think this team, they've got answers. So, mm-hmm. If, if option A is not working and what Ashley Jones scored 14 in Stillwater, they still put up 74 pretty easily and coasted to a win. So it's not just the Ashley Jones show. Uh, this team's really deep. And, you know, I think Lexi Donarski super special, her ability to not only make shots, but to create offense and get to the basket, get to the free throw line. You know, she, she won't put up the numbers that Jones has just because of the, the she won't be there that long, but she has her, uh, her talent level is definitely worthy of being a McDonald's all American that she was. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, after the Iowa game, I told, I think I told Chris this, that game felt like an elite eight game. Uh, yeah. when they were playing in Hilton, I mean, both of those teams, I think are good enough. Like I think Iowa state, that was the first time I ever watched them. I was like, man, this team could like go to the final four. If they got the right kind of draw, if you run up against yeah. UConn or South Carolina or whoever, like obviously sure. those, those programs are like machines, but if you get the right draw, it wouldn't shock me at all. If they were, if they I, made the third week in the NCAA tournament. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's, if you think about it, the NCAA tournament starts two weeks from right now or two weeks, two months from right now, it's going to be a, uh, some fun times and aims before then. And once you get there, it's going to be a, a pretty awesome spring. Absolutely. All right. Well, buddy, I look forward to next week, uh, next Sunday's podcast when hopefully Chris will not be as sunburned, but you can get a full (laughs) recap of the Jamaica trip and learn more about the situation with the guy playing the guitar on the beach. I don't know if we really want to know that for sure, but uh, we'll dive into all the details. And the good news is because Williams and I have both had the Omicron, we can do it in person. Fine. Right. Right. We got like at least six weeks of, uh, of immunity as Aaron Rodgers would say. So we're, we're in good shape. Yeah. Well, it, anytime you can be in the same club as Aaron Rodgers, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta jump at that kind of opportunity. That's All right. right. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.